so beautiful right now. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to what we're going to do in this first hour. Yes, if someone asked me, what's my favorite class of all? Okay. I teach a lot of class. So my, I'm a certified sex therapist, so that's the thing
on Yeah, the battery's uh, brand new. Sabbath on the uh, rest of the They'll be, we'll be doing this 
particular lesson. And I know they're going, <clears throat> you know, the whole time. I hope you're listening to this part. Or like when you share a book and you read it together and you're underlining this part and you really hope they see what you want. <laughs> so, <laughs> I really want them to get this point. I want to encourage you. Be here this weekend for you. Not for yourselves. For your righteousness before God. I love the songs you sing. I'm like, I didn't know a couple of those. And I want to obey the word. I want to obey my Lord. So that's our goal today. Hopefully that means it will also improve your marriage. Right? So a personal hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Let's make that a focus today. You're going to have a better weekend if you make that the focus. You are. Because you can't change anybody who can change you. And so, and we know that God is sovereign. He's sovereign over your life, wherever that path takes you. He's sovereign, so let's let's listen to him today. Alright? So what we're going to talk about at the get-go here is validation. And what is that? What's the definition of it? Look it up in Webster's. What it actually says is making something valid. <laughs> That's helpful. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that something's well-grounded, justifiable, it's relevant, it's meaningful, it's logically correct, it makes sense. So we're going to do some communication work today. And the goal of this is how to validate one another, right? How to say, well, that makes sense. That's what we're going to do. It's justifiable. I'm going to, tell, I'm going to share with you what validation is and what it isn't. And what are the practices? <laughs> so what scriptural foundation is there? Well, bottom line, the goal of validation, what we're going to practice today, is to get to this intimacy stuff that God wants, my friend, my love, my friend. How do we get to that intimacy? A lot of that has to do with the, the, hmm, the, the desire, the longing that couples have when they come to see me. I just want my spouse to understand me. That's often the begging that people come in with when they come to see me in my office. I want to feel understood. So, Proverbs 4 or 7 says, though it costs all you have, get understanding. Now, it's going to be expensive what we're going to practice today. To really get in your spouse's shoes and really understand them, take their perspective, and at a heart level go, oh. To get to that place is expensive. It's going to cost you. I call it the cross put into practice in your marriage, getting to that point of understanding. It takes, uh, this came out in a training that we did the other night in Nashville, which is, how do we do that? Well, uh, part of what you're, I'm going to show you just now is really putting this scripture into practice. The purposes of a man's and a woman's heart are deep waters. Yeah. And a man of understanding draws them out. Um, we aren't typically good at that part. Drawing out, we want to fix, we want to explain. Um, I actually was with a couple yesterday, well, I was with a husband yesterday, I was with a couple earlier this week, and he said something that hurt her, it was pretty painful, she expressed it, he defended and explained, and it just blew, right? And so I had an individual session with him, and this is what we talked about, was, right, you want to reassure her, that's not what I meant, no, what I actually meant was, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. And I'm going to show you why. Yeah. Explaining is not a great idea. Maybe later, but definitely not initially. 
This is the early piece of, I'm going to show you what to do, literally give you some recommendations. But this piece here growing out, many of us don't know how to do it. We don't, or we think we are. Why do you say that? <laughs> we think that's growing out. That's not us, right? So, but I, I want you to just make this your heart. You'll notice what I said is everybody's longing to be understood. So God goes, well, I'll show you this one. What God says is in Isaiah 58, um, do away with the pointing finger. And he, he goes on from there. I was taking a training on a class called Validation. And it was kind of the beginning roots of what you're seeing today. I, it was kind of too dry for me and too empty, and I kind of created my own version over time, right? But the thing is, is I was listening to this idea of how to help with conflict resolution, and I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was just a scripture that talked about the pointing finger? There is. In Isaiah 58, it says, do away with the pointing finger. It's only one there. I just think that's so cool, what he says there from the, the rest of that through 11 is he says, and instead, spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. Your partner, if you apply that to marriage, is hungry to be understood. So though it costs all you have, spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. And then he says, when you do that, then he will meet your needs, he'll light your path. It's one of those, you give and God gives you a hundred times as much. When we use, we, we, we use a lot of energy that, I want you to understand me, and let me explain it, and explain it again, and we say it stronger, louder, and I, I, all that energy, right? It's kind of like when you go to those, um, those spinning classes. <laughs> Right 
When I do marriage retreats like this, about 60% are struggling. Now, I don't know if that's true of this group, but that is this fellowship. I forgot to send the questionnaires. So uh, I would have had a very personal take on that from you, but every time I do them, I survey you guys, and I've got about 60%, especially around sexual intimacy, 60% saying, this isn't just a challenge, this is not going well. Right? Um, and that affects, like what Claude had said, it affects the entire relationship, and the entire relationship affects sexuality. So we need to spend a lot of time on this part here, what we're doing today, getting rid of the pointing finger, and instead of spending ourselves on behalf of a hungry spouse. So that's the foundation of what we're going to do this morning. I thought I'd share something kind of fun with you. An example, the pointing finger. Ah, so. That's okay, I got you. Or I don't. Mm -mm. It's got to be coming from my computer. Because I've got one last time.
actually the exact words of the very first couple I did validation with. They're disciples, and I've known them now for like 25 years. And I tell them, I teach about you every time I do validation. <laughs> and he goes, so you tell people. Um, they're still working on it to tell you the truth. But this is how he felt. It was like, this is so touchy-feely. Like, I don't talk like that. And you might feel that as we kind of walk through some of this today. Um, and the big one that I might say, which he did as well, is seriously, this is going to take too much time. You mean we're supposed to do this about every little thing that comes up? And initially, that might be the case. And then that fear that they'll think I'm agreeing, which it's not, is about carrying respect. So there are fears that validation. Those can be roadblocks. <laughs> there might be some roadblocks. <laughs> Apparently, I've done something to obsess you. <laughs> You know, this might be how we are right now. The goal of validation is understanding and empathy. Why are those important? So let me define empathy for you. Empathy, literally in the research, so they researched empathy. Um, empathy is understanding the meaning someone makes. It's putting yourself in your partner's shoes, that idea. And it's the goal of as much as possible, feeling what they feel, understanding what they feel, that what they feel makes sense to you. So it's, uh, they have measures to measure if people have empathy, and it's literally measuring their, um, going from a, their perspective, going from a self-centered perspective to an other-centered perspective. That kind of sounds like the Bible. <laughs> Philippians 2. Consider one another better than yourselves. Think not only of your own interests, but the interests of the other. Yeah. So that's empathy. It's getting into their shoes and going, huh, and looking for big shifting. This is the technical language. Shifting from self-centered, like my view, to other-centered, their perspective. Um, I measure, so I took 32 couples through sex therapy, measured them before and after, and it was published, so they did remarkably well, and their empathy increased dramatically. And so, really, what I'm showing you today is what I do with my couples in my sessions now, but it was really fun doing it in a big old group like that. But the biggest thing they said that was helpful to them, they came for sex The biggest thing they said that was helpful to them is what I'm going to show you today. Perspective taking, that's what empathy is. So, who does that? We've got Jesus watching a funeral go by. She's a widow, and her son has died. And it says that his heart went out to her. The word there, his heart went out to her, is actually splechnizomai, which is a long word that means his guts were moved, his innards were moved. We've, each of us, felt that at different times for different reasons. When you know you hear somebody's story, you go, oh, right? This is the Lord of the universe. And he's watching this go by, and he sees it, and he goes, oh, Jesus felt that way. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we're working for this morning, is to be like him. So we're going to practice it, all right? So if you're here with couch your partner, you can write these things down. But you're going to practice something with your partner, you can stay in your seats. This part is pretty simple. We're going to do a little bit more, um, we'll divide up a little differently. But right now, we're just going to practice what I call reflection. 
And this is what's important about reflection, is it's not um, when your partner shares something, you're going to practice saying it back. And you're actually going to use their words. And people often feel uncomfortable with that. I feel like I'm just parodying them and just saying their words back. Um, this is a skill I teach all of my therapists, but I train therapists. I'm a professor. I train other therapists to be therapists, right? And this is the first skill I teach them. And it's one of us. I have to tell you, I'm terrible at naturally. I tell you my joke. Becoming a therapist is one of the best things for me <laughs> to help you become more like Jesus. Because I'm not naturally empathetic. This is not something I'm doing. I go into fixed mode when someone shares. I want to let me show you the Bible, which we should show them the Bible. But the whole like really listening with empathy is, is not my natural state. Um, so God allowed me to be a therapist so I could learn to be more like Jesus in this. So the reflection that I'm going to have you do is that when you're going to reflect your partner, don't put any interpretation into it. Don't go, oh, so what you're saying is, and you put your own words. Reflect their words. Just practice it. You might hate it. You might go, this is the stupidest crap thing. But just try it today. You're going to just share back what you heard. So what you're going to do, so you can do this on a piece of paper right now, or on your phone, however you want to do it. Think of two things. What was one, so you can think about yourself, what is one thing that happened this last week that was encouraging to you? You just, it was encouraging, right? Secondly, what's something that was difficult that happened this last week? And it cannot be about your spouse. Uh, let's make this possible, at least this part of the day. Think of something that was difficult for you this week. Right? So then, now go ahead and between you right now, decide who's going to go first. Who's going to share first? Decide right now. Who's going to share first? Okay. Who's going to share first? So decide that between you. Okay? And now, whoever goes first says, so something encouraging that happened to me this week was, and then the other one just reflects that. Ah, something encouraging that happened to you this week was. That's the reflection. So if I were to say something encouraging that happened to me this week was spending time with my nephews and nieces and all their little babies. And if you're reflecting me, you would say something encouraging that happened to you last week was that you got to spend time with your nieces and nephews and babies. That's a reflection, okay? Then the other one does the same. Something encouraging happened to me this week was, and then you reflect. So that's the first one. Then the person who's going first does the second one. Something difficult that happened to me this week was, and you finish the sentence, and then you reflect. And then the other one is, and then you reflect. So share, reflect, share, reflect, share, reflect, share, reflect. All right? Any marks?
listening skill, when you're working at being an active listener, you're going to recognize things in yourself. Like, well, shoot, look where I go. So naturally, right? Some kind of dismissive response is common. Yes? But the person receiving the validation 
almost always goes, ooh, that felt really nice. Right? Let's do a couple more. Yes.
speaking might need to turn up, or when you're listening to them, you might be having a rough go. Um, I love what it says at the bottom, do not try this at home, death or injury could occur, we are training professionals. <laughs> I am going to explain to you how I tell people how to do timeouts. This is in my book, by the way, so if you want to keep or die, you can read it. But um, basically, most couples, when stuff gets problematic, like the, way the conversation is starting to go south, they keep going. What do you do when you start to, like think about this, when you're listening to your partner, or when you're talking, you don't feel like you're listening, what happens in your body, right? Most people say they get a drop in their stomach, they get a clench in their stomach, they get a tension in their shoulders, they get some kind of heat to the face, they get a tightness across their forehead. Your body says, I'm having a hard time. Your body will tell you, if I keep going, this is really going to go south. Or I'm not feeling hurt right now. Or something. Your body's telling you this is hard. When that's the case, everybody do this with me. Take a breath. Get in your nose. And out your mouth. Go it all out so there's nothing left. There's nothing left. Now get in your nose. And we'll watch now. When your body is tense like that, your heart rate has gone up. Uh, adrenaline has flooded your body often when all that tightening happens. It's a God-given automatic response. The brain says, danger, 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 danger. The brain doesn't know the difference between somebody, somebody coming at you with a knife in an alleyway and your partner coming at you with words that are hard for Your brain goes, danger, 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 and it sends chemicals to your genome glands in your gut. And they spread through your body in about 0.05 seconds. It keeps you alive in case someone is attacking you, right? This is the fight or fight or freeze response. It's God-given, but sometimes it happens in the middle of conversing like we just practiced, and it sends things negative, right? Then what happens when your body is in that state, the amygdala takes over. The amygdala is in the center of your brain. It's the emotion and memory center. And they did fMRI research, so different types of brain science. They studied what happens when people are watching just a normal video. The blood flow goes to your amygdala, your limbic system, then it checks with your prefrontal cortex up here, which is your reasoning, thinking, planning. Then it comes back to the amygdala, does this very fast, comes back to the amygdala, then sends a signal out to the body. Does this very fast. Then they switched the videos to things that brought up a bit more, and the blood flow checks with the amygdala and then sends the message out. The prefrontal cortex, the planning, thinking, rationalizing part, is offline. Have you ever been there where you're just, uh, you say something or do something that's like words you just want to take back? You know, or sometimes So literally, we're not thinking straight. Because <laughs> this isn't on. This part, this planning, reasoning, who, the who you want to be when you really can take that breath. Adrenaline floods the body that fast, and it actually takes about 20 minutes for adrenaline to come back down. So when I advise people to start practicing timeouts, I advise at least a 20 minute one. Because your body thinks it's in danger, and so you'll reply out of that reactivity, right? So how do we reply in a way that, it's not like, I'm going to yell calm, 
So we're not talking about you need to not be expressive. You need to not be passionate. You need to not be yourself. We're not talking about that. You can still be passionate and honest and direct and emotional and expressive. But where you're doing those things under the guise of who you want to be as a person. So that it matches what you believe about speaking the truth and love. You can still say all of those things with that passion, but now it's not out of birth, right? Where you're not responding out of defensiveness. So our bodies, when they're responding like that, take a break. I call it a timeout, some people call it a break, to be able to say to your partner, not a damn timeout, <coughs> out the door, not that, <laughs> to say, hey, I can feel my body reacting. I can feel myself reacting. Let me take about 30 minutes, and we can, I do want to I do want to have this conversation. So they're, they're reassuring, I do want to have this conversation, but I can feel myself reacting. Can we come back to this? Um, can I later tonight after dinner, tomorrow morning. You know this whole thing about settle matters quickly, that's biblical. This whole, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, but the problem is, so people stay up till like three o'clock in the morning. But the problem is most regard it's not back when the sun went down. So sometimes you're too exhausted to continue when you say, I do want to have this conversation, and we have it tomorrow after we both get home from So then, then what's important, so you're putting this high on, this is what's Validation, and here it is. So this is my model. 
and I call the validation protocol. This rock pig racing. So in San Diego, playing San Diego Fair every year, and the Swifty Swine pig races come, and we always go watch the Swifty Fox Swine. You know, see who wins and cheer them on, hope to win the pig nose. So this is my nod to some favorite family traditions on pig races, and what? And that's the nod, playing pig races. I'm going to explain it to you very quickly. So when you're the speaker, I had to practice this when I speak first. So that's what you would do. You would say uh, one issue, one moment. So on Friday, when you came home, you said, I felt one issue, one moment. We have a hard time with that because we hold the kitchen sink in. And so on Wednesday also, and on Monday you did it too. Because <laughs> you're watching their face to see, are you really getting it? Are you pulling some more? Let me explain a few more ways. So this is somebody that might speak like fire hydrants. So they might bring up the kitchen sink, they bring up more issues. It's so funny because my clients will go, I really tried to do issue. And I did, I kept. So this alone, my saying is today, might perk your awareness of, boy, I really, use a lot of issues instead of just one. It's hard. I statements, which is, and I statements are actually kind of hard. So this is if you ever doing training and actually listening, the reflection, the I statements are classic. We're going a bit deeper, but I'm using some of those pieces. The I statements are difficult because a lot, some of us, we don't know how we feel. We say, I'm frustrated. I feel unirritated. I feel unannoyed. I'm frustrated, irritated, annoyed, disappointed, some word like that. Right? And so we feel that. And then I, and again, when I'm working with someone, I go, well, let's, let's see what's underneath there. The frustration comes from somewhere, usually like I'm hurt, I feel alone, I feel disrespected, I feel small, I feel unimportant, and so I'm frustrated. Often we speak in, so frustrated, irritated, annoyed, all those words are, are, are like the first level of emotion that is more the shallower version, and there's deeper stuff underneath it. So getting to the I statements is getting to more vulnerable, more, more vulnerability. Not just I'm frustrated, but to say I feel small, that's kind of vulnerable. To get to Freddie uh, Brown and see her work on vulnerability, she does a great job explaining it. Uh, listen to her stuff. The word vulnerable in Latin has a Latin root, vulnerable which means wounds. When you're vulnerable, you're making yourself vulnerable. So when your partner is sharing with you an issue one moment with an I statement, be aware of what you're holding in your hand. Even this sharing that we did today with reflection, you're holding something vulnerable. And um, it could be, it, it's dangerous. They're taking a risk. They're taking a risk by coming and sharing. So be aware of that as they share. And then, when you're sharing, do it without the pointing finger. No blaming, no assuming, no attacking, no accusing. So assuming can be, I know you were angry, but, so you're assuming your partner's internal state. And the reality is your partner might feel angry, but be actually be sad, but it come, or scared, but it comes out with anger. We can't get inside someone's head, you know, and figure out what's going on in there. We can see their body language and we interpret what that body language means, but we can be actually pretty incorrect. I have to, in general, with couples do a lot of helping them speak without learning and assuming that's a tough one for most of us, right?
And then the one we sort of talking about that keep it short. No firefighters say it in one to two sentences. Um, that's why I have couples practicing on games, so they're practicing it around less dangerous topics. So that then when they get to a dangerous topic, they kind of exercise that muscle. All right, how about the listener, the validator? Those of you who are realizing, oh boy, I do all kinds of stuff that's not validating and fighting. The first piece is, and this is why the keep it short is important, is just reflecting that. Ah, so on Friday when I came home and I said, use that. So that's the reflection. Ask questions is Proverbs 20 verse 5. Drawing out. The thing is though, when you're listening, you might not be in a place to ask questions. You're like, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you're in defense mode, or your hurt comes up, or you want to explain the things that are frantic and anxious, and you want to, you know, apologize, explain, you know, reassure, oh, no, I don't think that, I don't feel that. Or you're feeling like, like your own hurt comes up, and you want to shoot it back, right, with the, the pointing finger. If you're not in a spot to genuinely ask questions out of a desire to understand, take a break. Mm -hmm. Take the time out. People ask me, when do you do this, Jen? Right in the middle of the argument. Um, typically, this is a conversation you have after the argument happens, and you're coming back and trying to talk about it. This is the conversation. When you do this more and more in the repair stage, it inches closer and closer to the actual argument time. It starts influencing the way you communicate when you're heightened, right? Initially, when you're learning it, it's more of the repair stage. But even in the repair stage, you're not in the middle of the fight, you're coming back to talk, you get reactive of explaining, apologizing, and saying, apologizing sounds like a really good idea. Isn't that the right thing to do? You should call it. We just share with you. But have you ever had someone apologize to you and you don't feel like they really got it? And you're right. And it just doesn't feel very good? Remember, the goal of validation is understanding. So often we apologize quickly to shut the conversation down sometimes, just end it. Or because we're frantically trying to, we're afraid it's really going to blow. I don't apologize, it's going to blow. And it just, it's like throwing kerosene on fire. We apologize. So apologize is good, biblical, taking ownership. But perhaps go through this first. Get to the point of understanding so that the apology is, uh, by the way, you can read the book, um, the Five Languages of Apology. I love that book. So Chapman, who wrote The Five Love Languages, his other book, like that kind of thing. But one I like better is The Five Languages of Apology. There's a place for apology, just not it. So when you take your time out, you know what I want, I'm, I'm, thank you for sharing that. You just reflected it. Thank you for sharing, I want to be able to, to really hear you and understand. I, if you're in that, I need to explain uh-uh mode. Go take your time out so that you can now come back and ask your questions from a genuine place of, I want to get in my partner's shoes. I do. And so I generally recommend about three different levels of questions. First of all, it's just some of the actual ones, like, was it my tone of voice? Was it my body language? Again, you're seeking understanding of their experience. This isn't about facts. It isn't about did they get it right. This is what they felt and what they experienced, and your goal is to get in their shoes. Mm -hmm. It's not about whether they got it accurately. 
and we get caught with that, right? right? This is about, I want to get in your shoes, regardless of whether I think it's accurate, what you're saying. I want to get over here and go, oh, right? So some of that is, was it my choice of words? Was it the timing? Like, what, what was factual down? This isn't like, you know, was it, um, is that really what was said? <laughs> That's when you go take your time out. <laughs> it's, ah, what specifically did I say that was wrong? That's what I really want to understand. Second level of questions is, use the language they just gave you. Mm. I was, I felt small and unimportant. Can you tell me what you mean by small? Can you tell me what you mean by unimportant? So when the I statements, when the vulnerable language is used, it gives the partner opportunity to explore and draw out using your language. And then the last part is you generally know each other for a while, from a few decades, and you can know enough to draw your own wonders. Like, did it feel like? Did it seem like? So you're drawing out. When you get there, where you feel like, okay, I think I now I'm getting a cognitive least understanding, you play that up, and that's the confirmation. Where it looks like reflection, but it's in greater detail. Ah, so on Friday, when I came home and I said, you felt, and you felt small because, and my facial expression was, and you felt unimportant because, and my language was kind of, did I get that? So the, did I get that, is the checking, confirming, do I have the picture? And the spouse can go, yeah, and I also felt, oh yeah, you also felt. So there's a checking to see if I got the whole picture. And then the most important part is going to be. What that looks like is the person who's a validator, who's listening, says that I'm thinking you felt small and unimportant and disrespectful. When have I, so I walk each couple through what the person who's listening. So in your life, in your experiences, with your family, not your spouse or their mother, <laughs> your mother and your family, your friends, your coworkers, people at church. Oh, I mean, sometimes somebody at church makes me feel small and unimportant, maybe. So you can think of someone that you're in a relationship with. When have I felt small and unimportant and disrespected? Oh, actually, last week, I did that presentation at work, and my manager said this in front of everybody, and I felt small and disrespected and unimportant. I think I can understand. Now you've gone from a cognitive understanding to your gut going, oof, I know what that's like. When you share it, you share it in just a couple sentences, and that keeps it from taking over. Right, and becoming about you, but it does allow you to go from here to here and now. And it's interesting when I ask couples, so I'll ask the partner who just shared it, do you feel like in some small way your spouse can understand what that moment on Friday was like? Some small way. And they go, I do. Like 99.9% of the time, I do. What makes you feel like they can understand this one moment? Um, the questions felt real, but actually when they went to what happened with their work, right? So it's that empathy piece. 
that it goes, right. oh, okay, 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 yes, yes, yes. That's what that was like. I do coach couples in using, when they start to learn this and practice, and they use a small situation, like the trash can, the dog poop in the backyard, the bathroom door handle, the mayonnaise you forgot to pick up at the grocery store. Those are the little ones I don't if I find. They give them to me and say, yeah, this one little teeny issue that a little bit bothered you, let's practice that. And I coach them through it. I actually, uh, validation takes me at least five sessions. My sessions are 15 minutes long. But as you know, like we're tasting it today. Um, because I teach it first like I am today. And then I take four sessions to coach each half. And then they blow it and shoot each other at home and come back and tell them it didn't work. We end up doing it over and over and over throughout the process. That's why I say it's the foundation of the work that I do. I'm telling you all that because you're going to go home this week and try to do it, and you're going to be like, that didn't work very well. So we're going to do it. How much time do we have? seven minutes, right? So we're going to practice. A teeny, 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 teeny bit. Can I have 15? Okay. 15 minutes. You're going to hook up with another couple. Don't move. The four of you are going to sit together. I'm going to load you up, and then I'm going to send you lunch, and you're going to be like, thanks, Jennifer. Because what we're going to do is we're going to pick one issue, and only one of you is going to share. And the other couple is going to be the coaches. They're going to be me. Right? As a coach. And I'm going to show you how to coach. So that you can go back to your ministries and practices in your next few times, in your next time with another couple. Okay? So right now, hook up with another couple. Let's do this as quick as possible. Before you are in kind of a little round by. Small. 